Hello everyone, it's Anant here and I hope you've been having a great day. On today's episode, we will discuss everyone's favorite topic, World War II and the rise of the Nazi party. The Nazi party's meteoric rise to power in the Weimar Republic before the Second World War is shrouded in mystery and controversy, and the lack of concrete information has led to a gap in our understanding of their rise to power. To rectify this, since the very end of World War II, historians, writers, political scientists and social scientists have developed two theories. Structuralism, in which the Nazis took advantage of their historical context and societal conditions and did not plan out their actions before their rise to power, uh, versus intentionalism, in which the Nazis had predetermined, pre-calculated actions and objectives to rise to power. Today, I, your host, Anand Singhal, will pr- explore the evidence presented for both these interpretations and provide a convincing argument in favor of either intentionalism or structuralism in explaining the Nazis' r- rise to power and the rule of Germany considering evidence conser- concerning Hitler's path to becoming the Fuhrer and evidence considering the Nazi rule over, ger- over the German people. Hello everyone, and welcome back to The Great Debate, a weekly podcast discussing the mysterious, unknown, and divisive events in history. The first argument that I'm going to examine for you is Hitler's consolidation of power through control of all branches of government, namely judicial, executive, and legislative. Additionally, I'll also examine their assumption of emergency and dictatorial powers, allowing them to rise to power. In a democratic system, such as the Weimar Republic, these three branches are central to the government's control over the country and its people, and the Nazi party rose to power by achieving unilateral power in each of these areas. Some evidence regarding this argument supports a structuralist interpretation. The most important of this is the death of President Paul von Hindenburg. In 1934, the year of Hindenburg's death, Hitler had already assumed the power to circumvent the Reichstag and became Chancellor Chancellor of the Weimar Republic through the Enabling Act of 1933. Hindenburg's death, however, allowed him to further consolidate power by obtaining emergency powers. In the Weimar Republic, the constitution bestowed the president or acting head of state with emergency powers, allowing them to make unilateral decisions and pass legislation without consultation with the Reichstag. The Nazis took advantage of this by merging the chancellor's office with the now vacant president's office and declaring Hitler as the holder of both titles, giving him near dictatorial power as he now had the ability to circumvent any parliamentary procedure and pass any laws he deemed would further the Nazi agenda. The other parties who held positions in the Reichstag were now powerless, and the Nazis could shift their struggle against internal opposition to one against external opposition. This supports a structuralist interpretation as it leads us to believe that the Nazis used factors outside of their control, uh, in using historical context and or environmental factors, in their rise to power. For example, Hindenburg's death was not predictable nor foreseen during Hitler's early political stages and the formation of the Nazi party. It simply was not in his plans. However, he still took advantage of it to merge offices and consolidate power, contributing heavily to the Nazi party's rise to power and their rule over the German people. On the other hand, there is also evidence for this argument that suggests an intentionalist approach is better suited to explain the Nazi rise to power. The most significant piece of evidence in this regard is the tri-front approach to seize control of all branches of the government. The enabling act formed by the Nazis allowed, allowed them to circumvent any judicial or legislative scrutiny from the Reichstag before they enacted their own laws. Article 4 of the act states as follows. Treaties of the Reich with foreign states that affect matters of legislation will not require the approval of the Reichstag. 
This section of the Enabling Act states that the Reich shall issue the regulations required for the passing of such, such treaties. This article thereby gave the governing power, the Nazis, the ability to circumvent regulation in foreign affairs. This helped the Nazis rise to power as it gave them contr complete control of the legislative system, from the lower reaches of the court systems to the upper echelons of those legislation passing committees. It later allowed them to pass such laws as the Nuremberg Laws without opposition. They seized executive power through the Night of the Long Lives, in which they purged the SA and the Wehrmacht to ensure that all members, especially those higher up in the hi hierarchy, were loyal to the Nazi party. It gave the Nazis complete control of the executive branch of Germany's government, since the Gestapo had already seized control of the police systems. Finally, they seized control of the judicial branch through two organizations. The first was the Nazi National Socialist League for the Maintenance of the Law, and the second was the People's Court. These two organizations were created to allow the Nazis to gain unilateral control of the judicial system. The NSLML got rid of the trial by jury system and instead appointed judges loyal to the Nazi party who determined innocence or guilt by themselves. The People's Court determined matters of treasons and the Nazis used it to purge opposition leaders and disloyal members. There was also no appeal system, meaning that the verdict was final. These actions allowed, helped the Nazis rise to power as they gave them complete control of the government system, allowing them to purge opposition, enforce laws, and determine innocence or guilt without external legal intervention. It is clear that this evidence supports an intentional interpretation as it leads us to believe that the Nazi party intentionally created conditions in which it could consolidate power and seize emergency powers. Additionally, the systematic acquisition of control over each branch of the government also indicates a predetermined, calculated plan, which in turn supports intentional interpretation. Next, we have, the, we have the argument that suggests that the Great Depression, growing popularity of extremist parties, and the weakness of the Weimar Republic allowed the Nazis to rise to power. These factors seem to be environmental and out of the Nazis' control, and some were, but not entirely. Extensive evidence exists that supports a structuralist view of this argument. One of the least disputable pieces of evidence is the Great Depression and how it affected the Nazi rise to power. Here to give us more information is famed structuralist, Christopher Browning. Hi everyone, Chris here. During 1929 to 1939, the years which have now been dubbed the Great Depression, the world experienced a widespread economic recession, the likes of which have never been seen before. Almost everyone was affected, with unemployment skyrocketing and the inflation worsening. The situation was created was even worse than the already weak economy of the Weimar Republic. The country was simply unable to create enough revenue or profit to recover from earlier losses during World War I and to co cover the debt it owed to the Allies in the accordance with, with the Treaty of Versailles. Unemployment skyrocketed to a massive 33% of the workforce. Rational, democratic or moderate parties could not present a solution to this crisis. And in the Weimar Republic, people started gravitating towards extremist groups such as the Communist and Nazi parties. They were the only ones who seemed to have answers. The Nazis took advantage of this renewed environmental interest in extremist parties to their advantage by making unemployment one of their top priorities and campaign promises, winning the hearts and minds of the legions of the unemployed. Furthermore, they followed through on this promise. By 1938, unemployment was practically extinct due to the rearmament measures and rebuilding of the German military forces. This allowed them to rise to power as they captured and loyalized a large demo demographic, the, the unemployed. This supports a structuralist inter interpretation as it leads us to believe that the Nazis used factors outside of their control in their rise to power.
the evidence outlined above, it was uncontrollable. The, gate, the Great Depression was an international crisis that was not caused by or influenced by the Nazis. But they still took advantage of it to gain popularity and supporters who demanded a solution to the unemployment that was rife in the Weimar Republic at the time. In contrast, there's also evidence suggesting an intentionalist approach of the weak Weimar Republic. Some argue that the Nazi party deliberately weakened the Weimar Republic, citing evidence concerning the de destruction of the multi-partisan system and propaganda regarding World War I. Here to give us more information on that is prominent intentionalist, Richard Brightman. Hi everyone, Richard here. Once they gained a majority in the Reichstag, the Nazi party destroyed the multi-partisan nature of the German parliament through systematic purges, propaganda, spying, and other forms of political warfare. All those who were disloyal to the Nazis, who they found through espionage and a vast civilian spy network, were purged by the Gestapo and the SS, threatened, sent to concentration camps, or at least threatened with, the, with these consequences. Moreover, the Nazis used the German hatred of the terms of the Treaty of Versailles to sow unrest amongst the people and, and take aim against the leaders of the country. At the time, many of those who led the German people to defeat in World War I were still in positions of high ranking. Using their power, using their control of the mass media, they published propaganda suggesting that the, that the treaty's terms were unreasonable and expressed their motives to not abide by them, which gained support from the, human, from the German public by asserting nationalism and allowing some retribution from the humiliations of the Treaty of Versailles. One part of these efforts was the Dolstoschel Agenda. This, this was a piece of propaganda which spread rumors that the Germans could have won the World War I, but the leaders were cowards and surrendered despite the German army's upper hand. This helped them rise to power as it destabilized the leadership at the time and opened the doors for a new ruling party. This evidence clearly supports an intentionist interpretation as it leads us to believe that the Nazi party intentionally created conditions in which they could, in which they could weaken their political, political opponents. They weakened the Weimar Republic deliberately through the destruction of the multi-partisan system and used propaganda to seize powerful political positions. They clearly had a pre-calculated, predetermined ideas and actions in each event and therefore this evidence supports an intentionist interpretation. The Nazis Nazi party's rise to power is a mixture of intentionalism and structuralism, in a combination which is not completely known. However, the structuralist interpretation gives a better explanation of the Nazis' rise to power over the German people, as it de demonstrates that their rise to power was dictated by and determined by the environmental factors they were in, and the historical context of the period they were set in. It would have been impossible for the Nazis to rise to power in the fashion that they did, were they not set in a time of mass unemployment, extreme tendency extremist tendencies, a weak Weimar Republic, and popular anti-Semitism. Additionally, Hitler by character is an opportunist, as argued by German historian Helmut Krausnick in Maris's book The Holocaust in History. The more Hitler toyed with an idea, whether it be the invasion of the Soviet Union or the final solution, he, he became obsessed and took opportunities as they came. While I can understand why people might think it was all intentional, in the end, the structuralist argument is far more con convincing. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of The Great Debate. Anand Singhal, signing out.